Hello and welcome to the next edition of this Harrington Star podcast. Whether it's Fintech Focus TV you're listening to or our diversity and inclusion specials, we hope you're enjoying the shows and please do subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Humans of Fintech Diversity and Inclusion podcast series. We are here today to celebrate the wins, raise awareness of the challenges and walk the talk for change across the entire industry. Today, we are joined by Dr. Jonathan Ashong Lamptey. He is a globally recognized authority on diversity and inclusion in the workplace. And I first contacted him having seen him on the BBC talking about Black Lives Matter. He leads a consultancy designing inclusive companies for the 21st century advising global businesses and government policymakers while contributing to international research projects. He himself hosts his own podcast channel called The Element of Inclusion, which informs and educates using applied research and thought leadership. So I'm really excited to have you on the show today, Dr. Jonathan. Thank you very much for joining us. Nadia, thank you for having me. Thanks for inviting me. It's an honour to be here and... Yeah, I'm happy. Happy to be speaking with you. Lovely. Thank you. So on each of your podcasts, I love your opening. You talk about your mission and your mission to um, help a million people make their workplaces more inclusive. Can you tell us where that came from and give us a bit of background? Sure. So I, all of this starts with my PhD, really. I, I talk about my PhD all the time. So even when I introduce myself, I say, I've got a PhD from the London School of Economics. I always say that. And I talk about how it gives me the academic rigor that my clients expect. But during, when you do a PhD, you're expected to make a contribution. It's the defining characteristic of a PhD. No contribution, no PhD. And so I wanted to make a contribution. Right? I wanted to make a contribution to the workplace, contribution to the marketplace, to organizations, to people just like the ones listening to this show. And I didn't know how to do that. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool like, to pick a number that feels impossible, like a million. Imagine, being, imagine doing anything that helps a million people. That, that's incredible, right? That, that seems to me to be beyond the scope or the reach of what an average person could do in their life. But we live in the 21st century and we've got all of this technology, we've got a reach, we've got an opportunity. And so I thought to myself, I'm going to pick a million as a number that feels unobtainable. It feels very difficult. It's a challenge and it motivates and inspires me, essentially. How can I help a million people? What can I do? This is why I do things like the podcast, because that allows me to reach people in the same way that everybody who's listening to this podcast Hopefully there's a million of them. Maybe, you're, maybe you've already done it, Nadia. Maybe you've already done it. Well, maybe with your help, we'll get there for sure. Um, so it's great to hear you touch upon uh, your podcast because I'm really, really keen for you to share with the audience exactly what you discuss on your podcast. Because one thing that's really stood out for me, having listened to so many of them, and what I think makes you really unique, is you talk about taking people on an inclusion journey. And I love that, that whole concept that we're all on different stages of our journey. Companies could be at the start of that journey. They could be halfway through it, but you help people move along that journey. So I'd love to hear you share with us a bit more about that podcast series. 
No, thanks, Nadia. So I think the reason I created the podcast was because, as I said, this mission to help a million people, I wanted to do something that would be practical and useful. A lot of the research that you come across, some of it is written in language that alienates people, is by design not allowed to make it useful. So I thought to myself, look, I've got all this knowledge, why don't I try and share it? And so we've got several different types of shows. So I do interviews, I haven't done one for a while, but I, I normally do interviews. I do research breakdowns. So I take research that either you've never heard of or research that you have heard of, and I break it down. I explain what the key elements are, what you should know, what you should do. And that's the really important thing, what you should do, what you can do, and put that into your own perspective. It's all about empowering people. Then I've got explainers, where I just explain key concepts, things that you hear people saying. Uh, a friend of mine, he's, he's quite senior in a global organization that you will have heard of. And he described diversity and inclusion as buzzword bingo. There's always a new word. There's always a new phrase. And sometimes people use it in a way that actually doesn't help. Sometimes it's like, oh, I know this word and you don't, and I'm so clever. I don't like that. And that doesn't help bring people on this journey because we need everybody to come along. So that's, that's another thing. We do book reviews. We've got a book club where we talk about books that you should be reading, important books, not just about racism. We talk about, we did a book club based around disability right? And everything that you should know about disability. I learned so much from that book. And only two people came to the book club, two people. And that is one of the most informative books that, that I read. So the book club is not just about getting loads of people in a room. It's about actually asking the questions, challenging and learning so that we can all move on our inclusion journey. I'm on an inclusion journey. Nadia, you're on an inclusion journey. Everyone listening is on an inclusion journey. And I think what I'm doing and what you're doing is to help move people along, but in a way that allows them to make progress and recognize where they are without being judgmental or expecting them to know more than they should. Everyone needs to travel at their own pace, but as long as there is a pace, then I'm here to help. And I know Nadia, you are too. Yeah. I love so much of what you said there. I definitely want to be part of your next book club. Like, let me know the next book. I'll read it and, um, and we can discuss. Like, I, I absolutely love that. And it'd be great if we could even recruit just one or two people who listen to this to come on to your next book club. Because I think it's so important how, how you talk about um, being authentic. Like, I love that you shared that story about buzzword bingo. Um, having listened to so many of your pods, I know that you, you kind of call it out for what it is, you know, if, some, if people are having policies that aren't authentic um, or if people are saying they're going to do things, but actually there's no action behind it. What I wanted you to do is to kind of share with us a little bit about what you think about policies, the difference between policies that are on the peripheral of a business and then policies that are really more the heart and soul of a business. Sure. And I, th I think a useful way to think about that is with what we've seen quite recently. So I'm, I should say as well, I'm a chartered accountant. I, I, I don't work as an accountant now, but I used to be. So I'm a chartered accountant. And so everything that's core to an organization in terms of the financial operations, the business operations, the costs involved uh, was something that I was directly involved with when I was working um, all those years ago as an accountant. And so what I find is when we're looking at diversity and inclusion, a lot of the time it is seen to be peripheral 
it's not something that organizations think is necessary or important. It's all it's often positioned as a nice to have. And I think part of that to blame is the way that it's been articulated to the organization. It's the way that it's done. So, you know, you, you'll know because you listen to the show, people who listen to my show know that I've got a bit of a prejudice and a bias against panel events. Not all panel events, but some of them because they're designed to raise awareness, which is good, but often there's no follow-up. There's nothing else that happens. And often the people who speak on panel events aren't subject matter experts. They're following scripts. They've had questions planted in the audience. You, you, you've seen it, I've seen it, it happens. And so it makes me question, what is the value of that? A lot of diversity and inclusion is actually events management. And so if you don't have events, it means that, as we are now, you can't have any events, right? it means that perhaps your diversity and inclusion strategy isn't necessary because we can cut the events. We it's not really important. How does it help to drive your organization? How does it help to improve the outcomes of your organization? I would argue is if you were able to articulate that clearly, you would be a core operation within the organization that would be less vulnerable at these times. I listened to uh, one of your podcasts this week with the question, um, is diversity in the workplace a scam? Um, and I thought that was so, so interesting. And I love how you're really happy to just play with the status quo and call things for what they are and say, right, you know, as you've just said, you know, panel events, if they don't have the follow up, they're not authentic. Um, and I think yeah, that's very much close to my heart for this podcast series, because one of the things I always say in my intros, we're here to walk the talk, not just talk about it. And even though I do want to raise awareness and I do want to celebrate the wins, we've got to talk about those wins. We've got to, we've got to make sure that people do something with them rather than just listen to them and say, oh, that's a nice idea and move on. Um, so one of the things that really has stood out for me is you talk about your three P's um, a lot in your, in your podcasts. So rather than me try and paraphrase it, could you explain that to the audience? Sure. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. You really do listen to it, don't you, Nadia? You really do listen. I love it. Okay. So the three P's is what we, we call them the three biggest problems. Three biggest problems that organizations experience on their inclusion journey. And it's people, potential, performance. So the first P stands for people. Organizations have difficulty engaging the people that they want to include in their organization. Now, for the most part, you may think of that as being people who are underrepresented, people who are in minority groups. But it also includes the people who aren't in the minority, the people who are in the majority, the people who enjoy privilege. Why? Because inclusion is for everyone. It, everyone performs and everyone belongs. A lot of the time, you'll hear people talk about diversity and inclusion, and the implication is it's all about the people who are underrepresented. And of course, attention is required if they aren't enjoying the same benefits as everyone else. However, everybody needs to be brought along. So that's what I mean by people. Potential is about organizations struggling to create a culture of inclusion where everyone can reach their potential. And what does everyone reach their potential? As I've said, the way we define inclusion, Everyone can perform, everyone can belong. It doesn't mean bringing your whole self to work. And that's one of the unpopular things that I say. It's more about bringing your best self to work. You can be authentic. A lot of us, we want to manage our identity in the workplace. There's things about me, there's things about you, Nadia, there's things about everyone who's listening now 
that maybe don't belong in the workplace. And it's okay for them not to be there. I think the difference is, is that if our identity means that we have to choose things as opposed to our personal preferences. And so that's one thing that we should really consider, the culture of inclusion. And then the third thing is performance, the so-called business case for diversity. And I know, Nadia, with all the fintech organizations you're working with, you hear people say it all the time, the business case for diversity has been established, it's been proved. They talk about all this research. The truth, and this is the inconvenient truth, the business case for diversity has not been established in the way that you think. There's a lot of research to show that actually it's good, it's bad, but there was a 2013 government paper which analyzes loads of research around this. And what they said was the business case isn't established in all organizations at all times in the same way. So yes, there is a business case for diversity, but it's not established in the way that you think. You can't inherit a generic one. And that's the problem. Organizations rely on a generic business case, but when I ask the question, why is diversity useful in your organization? How does it show up in your organization? I don't often hear a coherent answer. And so that's an issue. And what I argue, what we argue in our team, is that if you can address people, potential performance, you're gonna have an inclusive organization. And a lot of this, to be honest, where we are, if you just stop making the mistakes, and address these issues, you're gonna get a lot further. You will look and sound completely different to all your competitors, everyone in your industry, all of your stakeholders. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's so useful for people to be listening to those three Ps and really thinking about whether they could answer those two questions that you just asked, because I think that's something that makes you so unique. You're not you're not held back in any way, shape or form to ask those sorts of questions. To, and, and of course, again, I've listened to a lot of your podcasts now. You talk a lot about asking the uncomfortable question to get to the true answer rather than just a projected answer to make us look good. Um, and it's that, that that is sort of my mission. I, I really want people to be walking that talk rather than that talk. So um, a bit about what I love to talk about, which are the wins and things that you think are good. So um, thinking about the most effective strategies for change that you've seen in the workplace, is there anything that really stands out that you could share with us? Sure. Well, when we work with organisations, we talk about the elements of inclusion, which is social support, systems and solution. So... I won't bore you with all the details now, it's going to start to feel like a lecture. But what I will say is we need to socialize people and we need to socialize inclusive ideas. So an example of that is, um, and you, I've seen this all the time, if you hear, let's say gender pronouns, people, someone will walk into an, uh, a meeting, hasn't happened for a while, right? But you'll go into a meeting and then someone will say, uh, my gender pronouns are they, them and their, right? And let's say, let's say I did that. My gender pronouns are they, them, and their. And I'm not going to explain why. I'm not going to explain what that means. There's an expectation that everybody should understand and grasp that. Now, for me, whilst that is maybe pro promoting a diversity and in inclusion agenda, what it's not doing is bringing everyone along. And so one of the most effective things that organizations need to do is to bring people along, socialize people. Let them know, why are we talking about gender pronouns? Why does it matter? Black, Asian, minority, ethnic, BAME. Why is that term okay? And I'm not saying whether it is or isn't, but should we talk about why? Just being able to articulate those things creates an environment that brings us closer to a culture of inclusion. So I think that's one of the, 
I don't want to say it's a quick win because none of these things are a quick win. You hear people say, what's the one thing we need to do? What are the three things we need to do? There are several things that we need to do. And a lot of them are boring, repetitive. You're not going to win an award for it. No one's going to, you know, clap and congratulate you. It's the stuff that takes place behind closed doors. Yeah. It's the stuff that means that essentially it's the regular maintenance, ongoing work. That's where we're going to create the change. It's not about the big wins um, and then everyone clapping. What happened? What's happening next Thursday or Friday in six weeks time? That's what we really need to know. And are you repeating those actions? I think that is absolutely spot on because there are so many um, awards um, out there for diversity and inclusion. Um, there are awards where I've been part of the judging panel and I've looked at the, the executive board members of the company and, and realised that perhaps that, that saying or slogan isn't necessarily intrinsic in the company's nature and i love what you've just said there what's happening next thursday like what is actually happening day in day out in a business and it's it's hard it's going to take a lot of hard work and and i love what you you call it maintenance because it is it's that unglamorous we have got to work at this so that we can all work uh, as our at our best selves day in day out um, and I love the reality that you bring to that. So just as a final question, I would love for people listening to this podcast to get in touch with you, to learn more about what you do at the Element of Inclusion, uh, to have conversations with you. What's the best way of getting in touch? Okay, so the podcast is one good way, which is called The Element of Inclusion. We've got a website of the same name, elementofinclusion.com. I'm quite active on LinkedIn as well. So you can find me, Jonathan Ashong Lamptey, A-S-H-O-N-G. There's a hyphen in there. And then it's L-A-M-P-T-E-Y, L-A-M-P-T-E-Y. Um, you can catch me on LinkedIn. I post videos there. I'm, I should be headed over to Instagram a bit more, but I don't do as much. But I think you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at J-A Lamptey, at J-A Lamptey. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this show today, Dr. Jonathan. I'm so glad I tuned into the BBC that night and, and heard everything that you said. And I'm just over the moon that you've, you've shared so much detail in how we can all be better at this mission and, and move further along on the journey. So thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Nadia, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Um, it's been a real pleasure. And thank you for the work that you're doing, because it helps to make my life easier when we've got people like you and we're it, I, it's a team effort i think that's the main thing isn't it we're all working together for for an inclusive workplace so thanks for all the work you're doing to make that happen absolutely thank you